out now on Press Gang Records, Buffalo, New York's Wrong the Oppressor Cassette. Ellis Horse, The Project from the Minds of Rob Antonucci, and Ryan Hex Cannabis, available on all streaming platforms. War self-titled 7-inch, available in black and coke bottle clear. Pick these up at PressGangRecordsUS.LimitedRun.com Welcome to Enterprise Hardcore Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Lyons. On this episode, my guest is going to be BG from the band Risk. As always, you can find the podcast on Facebook and Instagram at Enterprise Hardcore Podcast, on Twitter at Podcast Hardcore. As always, shout out to all the Patreon subscribers, uh, keeping everything going monthly pretty much with the, the stuff we got going with the podcast. And like I've been uh, teasing for a while, we're going to have some uh, tons of exclusive stuff for the Patreons pretty soon. Um, I also want to make mention that I started a GoFundMe recently because we're trying to get some video equipment to do some more live stuff that I've been teasing and even more than what I have been teasing, honestly. So thanks to everybody who's been supporting that so far. I'll post a link to that in the in the uh, show notes and whatnot. Uh, locally, we got a bunch of shows coming up. I'm just going to mention a couple real quick. Uh, this Friday, Dangers, No Man, Coming Down, Only Shallow, Agitated Earth, and No End at the UUU Art Gallery on State Street. And then Who Decides has a couple uh, shows coming up, but uh, I'll have more episodes out between now and then, so I'll make sure to plug those on here and obviously, you know, keep your eye out for flyers and whatnot. So yeah, like I said, this is uh, my guest tonight's going to be BG from the band Risk. Uh, this is episode 85. Um, this band kind of popped up on my radar uh, probably about six or seven months ago, uh, probably like a lot of you guys, honestly, um, but they, they have an interesting story what I realized while researching them, so we'll get to that. And uh, we'll see what the band's been up to, obviously. So uh, with all that being said, how's, how's everything going for you tonight, BG? Yo, everything's good. It's a nice, nice hot Sunday in, uh, in Revere, Massachusetts. It's Couldn't be better, brother. Couldn't be better. What's up with you? Everything's good with you? Everything's really good, man. I got a couple kids, like I was telling you about before. So tonight's, as we're recording this, uh, tonight's Sunday night. So we kind of uh, had a quiet night getting the kids to bed and everything. So uh, I'm ready to do this. Um, 
Haven't been quite oh, as busy yeah. as you guys Hell by the yeah. looks of it, but um, you know, we've been keeping ourselves busy. So, um, but yeah, we're gonna be talking about your band quite a bit, but I kind of want everybody to get a chance to get to know you a little bit first. So, why don't you kind of describe like you know your path and what led you to, what led you to like hardcore and punk and stuff like that? So, uh, <laughs> I actually had this conversation with my girlfriend recently. Um, I got into hardcore, hardcore and punk through. I feel like this is kind of corny, but um through Tony Hawk Pro Skater, the soundtrack to that. And between that and Viva La Bam, the soundtrack to that, to those uh, that, to those shows, and uh, LimeWire. You would LimeWire one of those bands, and on LimeWire, anything would come up, and that's how I discovered bands like Suicidal Tendencies and Hatebreed and Death Before Dishonor. And I ended up hanging out with kids who had the same interests at the skate park who brought me into local hardcore shows in my hometown of that, in, uh, in Barricka, in Barricka, Mass. Now, you know, honestly, the Tony Hawk thing's interesting. It's come up on here a few times. I feel like I'm probably a few years older. Uh, I was born in the early 80s, but I think a lot of people from like the early 2000s, I guess you'd call a millennial generation. Yeah, for sure, dude, for sure. I've been noticing a lot too. Like I see a lot of people when they have kind of like conversations and like uh, discussions that I'm a part of, they'll be talking about that stuff too. So I can totally see how that would have been. And I, I watched Viva La Bam a lot. I don't really remember there being a lot of like hardcore and punk, but I probably was just like, not even paying attention to it because the show itself is so ridiculous, you know? <laughs> Dude, there, there really wasn't. It was There were bands like CKY and him, which I won't lie. I still love those bands to this day. But like I said on LimeWire, you type in CKY and like Hatebreed would pop up out of nowhere and you'd be like, oh, this band probably sounds like CKY. So you would click on that. And next thing you know, you're listening to Perseverance, you know? And then you mentioned Death Before Dishonor. So I'm guessing they had at least a small part in some of the local shows you were attending early on. Yeah, so... So uh, DVD always had like a lore amongst me and my friends. And we all went to go see them at a great American hardcore fest. And maybe, maybe 2009, 2008. And uh, as soon as I saw that band, I was like, this is the shit. This is the coolest thing in the world. Everything I have to do has to be like this. So were you like full on into hardcore from then? Like just, just, just like diving deep into hardcore at that point, pretty much or straight up straight up like i would like i would like go on myspace and like remember how bands would have like top eights like any band that i thought was cool i would go through all their bands top eights and like just listen to their shit on myspace as much as i could and try and find demos or whatever and like find shows through myspace which is it sounds so crazy to say you grew up in the you, you came up in the 80s or you were younger in the 80s so you've been in the hardcore a lot longer you would have to find shows through flyers. I was able to find shows through MySpace, which is not like now where you can go on Instagram and find 17 different shows immediately. Um, it was just like the coolest and most interesting thing in the world to me. And it felt like the most relatable thing ever. It felt, it felt so at home, if that makes sense. And then I feel like the area you're talking about is kind of like the tail end of a, a, a pretty somewhat you could you could say violent era of hardcore where like there was a lot of fights and like crews were pretty prevalent. Like, were you did you witness a lot of that when you first got into it or? Uh, there were definitely I don't remember like any particulars, but there were definitely some insane things I saw. One of the first shows I went to my dad brought me to and uh, I was in Haverhill, was in Haverhill, Mass. And my dad came to pick me up and he walked down the there was like a hill driveway to the venue. It was like a weird basement venue kind of. And um, my dad's walking down and I'm inside the show, whatever. And my dad's walking down 
and people are on the roof of this building. It's like a three-story apartment building or something. There was a record store on the second floor. There may be an apartment on the third floor. So people on the third floor are throwing potted plants out the window. And my dad was like, what the fuck is this? What is going on? Um, which is hilarious in hindsight. Yeah, I just remember, like, because I got into it as a teenager, too. And, like, I mean, it was, like, the mid to late 90s. But it was still, like, there was, like, fights and just crazy shit. And I remember at the time being kind of, like, myself, like, a little freaked out. But now I look back on it fondly and I kind of miss some of that that element of it, I guess, you know? like Oh, for sure. I'm not, like, encouraging people to start fights, obviously, you know what I mean? But the... The danger element is definitely, I think, one of the things that attracted a lot of us to to this culture in the first place, you know? Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. There's uh, there's definitely, like, a comfort in the chaos of it. Like, I'll be watching a band, and, and, like, if they have, like, one of those riffs and you're like, oh, this is that shit, you'll feel that, like, little, like, like it feels like the inside of your body is on fire, and it's the same feeling you felt when you were 16 years old watching Black My Hot, you know what I mean? You're like, I, you're like, I have to, I have to do something crazy. Like I have to mosh. I have to throw my fist as hard as possible. Cause this is, this is just what makes sense to me. This is what feels right to do. And it's so funny. Cause like, I, I just turned 41 a few months ago and like, I, my body's pretty broken down from like, you know, numerous other things. And I always tell my girlfriend, like I'm all done with all the moshing and shit. And when I, I, I think I told this story a couple episodes back, but when I came back from seeing section hate in Buffalo last month, it was like the first thing she asked. She was like, so you moshed or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, you know, Dude, what are you gonna so, do? So, like, I'm I just turned 30 last September, I turned 31 in September, and uh, I'll like I'll try and mosh like at least once a show because I think moshing is fun. And like, I'll like be on stage when Risk is playing and I'll mosh during Risk, and like the next day I'll be like, Oh, my fucking knees, dude, I'm done for, I can never walk again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah the recovery time only gets like longer and longer the older you get it seems like too so i i definitely pick my spots wisely now you know and that's probably the advice that i would give as the older you get you know <laughs> yeah for um, sure dude for sure but yeah like i was saying in the in the in the intro to the episode uh i had kind of realized that risk had like been a band before but i didn't realize it was like that long before so i guess we can kind of do it in like chapters like kind of take me through like the first chapter of like the band initially starting like years ago, like had you had the interest in being a vocalist before or did it all kind of develop like when you decided to start the band? It kind of all kind of developed when we decided to start the band. Riss first, Riss first started uh, like January 31st, 2009. And it was just me and like a bunch of kids I would go to shows with and we're hanging out on New Year's Eve. We're all like 17, 16, 18 or whatever, all still in high school. We're like, let's just start a band. And I didn't, I don't know how to play instruments. I still don't. So I got shackled with being the, the I hate calling it a singer. That sounds so corny, but I got shackled with being the front man of the band. And um, we rode, we did that. We, we really just played like local shows around Mass, New Hampshire, Connecticut. The only father, the farthest place we went was Virginia for, for four years. So we did that till 2014. And, and um, at that point, all of us were just kind of like, I don't know if we really want to do this anymore. You know, we just kind of got burnt out with like dealing with, constantly practicing constantly booking shows constantly doing shit we were just like let's let's uh let's let's step back and just like enjoy going to shows as like a, a fan as opposed to like being in a band and we'll get into the sound of especially the lp that's about to drop but um i i, I didn't really i didn't really find any old only old music from you guys like was the was the sound pretty similar back then like compared to what it is so now? so we try to adopt a more style closer to shipwreck AD than we do now. Um, 
a lot of the recordings that we had from those previous years are for sure recordings that um are not that good and i don't want anyone to ever hear we have one thing on spotify this uh five song ep uh from the depths and um I, I I like it a lot. I think all the songs are really cool. I'm still very, very proud of it. Um, but we just wanted to take a more different approach the second time around. But that's really the only thing that we wrote that we were like, this is the encapsulation of what we wanted to sound like when we started being a band. So I guess before before we get into like you guys reforming, like did you guys do like like weekends or was it mostly just like stuff like in the mass area? Like I know you mentioned Virginia, but like we did we did one weekend where we did like I think it was uh, Connecticut, um, somewhere in Pennsylvania. I think Do- it was Doylestown, Do- Doylestown at, all, at some record store. And then we did Virginia Beach. And that was the furthest thing we did, really. Like, we would do weekends that would consist of, like, Worcester, Mass, Hartford, Connecticut, Providence, Rhode Island, which is really, like, you could go home after every single show. You know what I mean? So, and then I guess when you guys, uh, like, stopped doing the band the first time, was it, like, did you guys, like, break up or was it, like, a last show or was it just kind of, like, a hiatus type thing? We, uh, we were all just kind of, like, like, at the time when, when we finished From the Depths, I was, like, this is the best thing I could ever write lyrically. I don't ever think I could top this. And all of us were just, like, pretty burnt out from, like, how much we put into writing that particular record. And like it was, it was just like a combination of events, and we were like, "Let's break up and have the last show." We had a last show, and all of our friends played. It was awesome. Uh, it was at Anchors Up, world famous Anchors Up in Haverhill, Massachusetts. Shout out Josh Hines, shout out Merrimack Valley, and we just had a last show, and um, we were like, "Let's fu- fuck it, let's call it a fucking day." And it was, it was such a high note, you know what I mean? It was like, it was like when you watch wrestling, and, and Shawn Michaels had his last match, and you're like, "Damn, Shawn Michaels could never do another wrestling match after that Undertaker match," you know? Uh, I could definitely take that a lot of different directions because I'm a pretty big wrestling fan. Uh, I don't really fuck with any current stuff, but I was huge, like, 80s and 90s guy. And Yeah, yeah, sure. For people who listen to this, like, 10 years from now, they might not know what we're talking about, but this is being recorded, like, two days after uh, Vince McMahon was forced to step down. So I'm No gonna... fucking way, was he? Yeah, he retired. Well, I mean, he retired, but it was basically like forced. Like he had like holy there's shit. There's so many allegations out there, and I guess more of like popping up and shit. And oh my god, not to fucking stay away from the hardcore path, but I can't wait to fucking read about this. But me and you yeah. are through. Holy fucking shit, dude. Yeah, he retired a couple of days ago, and it's been all over. Like, I because I follow a couple of wrestling things. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't want to turn this into a wrestling podcast. I do bring it up occasionally on here because, you know, I know a few people that listen also like wrestling too. But, um. So yeah, I guess getting into the to the to the reformation, like I know like a ton of bands like reunited and whatnot, like during COVID and lockdown and stuff, but you guys are more unique where you guys had I, I think recently reformed, but like not too long before everything shut down, right? Yeah, so uh so maybe like summer 2018, me and uh this the guitarist in risk who his name's Reese, um, we were both like, yo, like this is real life adult shit sucks. Let's like redo risk again and just fucking rip it up. So we wrote three songs and, and uh, we wrote the prologue to the pain demo and recorded it. And it was out maybe a couple days into January, 2020. And we played a few shows here, one show with DVD and this other band from Boston, sick minds. And then another show with uh, a bunch of local bands, cannabis crypt from Lynn mass. And then literally 
as like after that show, COVID happened. We had all these cool shows booked with like all of our friends and buried dreams and blood tides and death threat and all this shit. And then COVID hit and um it kind of put us back a little bit as it did every band. But yeah, it was kind of, it's it's obviously a different style of of hardcore, but it was a def, definitely a different uh it was a de- definitely different approach to what you see with a lot of bands who formed during COVID. We kind of had like a little bit of a jump start, so to speak. Yeah, it was weird for me because like I said, like I, I had never really heard of you guys before. And then I when I like got called into you guys, I honestly assumed that you guys were like a band that had started during COVID, like a lot of these other bands. And then when I started looking back and even before we talked about doing this interview, I, I, you sent me a song to put on an episode a couple episodes back. And uh, that's when I started looking into your band more. And I was like, oh, these guys have been around for a minute. But again, I was just still confused. And then finally, when I started researching this interview, I, I, it made more sense now, you know. Um, but were you, do you guys, like, I'm guessing like a lot of other bands, did you guys take that time with the lockdown and everything to write more songs that you're using now or? Yeah, 100%. Our entire set list is composed of the new album, which the new album is a bunch of new songs and the entire prologue to the pain demo. And we just really kind of buckled down and really, really got after with the writing and the songwriting about it. And during that point in time, all of us were like, this album of writing is the fucking bee's knees. We have to ride this shit as hard as we can and take this shit to the motherfucking top and do everything we fucking can to get everyone in the world to hear this fucking album because we think it's, we believe in it. You know what I mean? That's, you know, that's, that's really sick. And like that, like I was saying in the beginning of the episode, it seems like you guys have really hit the ground running. You've been playing like a bunch of shows and you got a bunch coming up. And I mean, the, the festival appearances, like how did that all come about? Um, as far as this is hardcore, um, Joe Hardcore just asked for us to play. This is hardcore, and I was just like, uh, absolutely. And it's kind of the same thing with a rumble, too. Um, it just worked out. Like, I feel like maybe some of these guys saw, like, how hard I was pushing risk and, like, some of the shows we were getting on. Maybe they were just like, yo, let's check out this band that's, like, doing it here. Oh, these guys are kind of dope. Let's put them on our fucking fest, which is, I assume, it works for, like, a lot of the fucking younger bands and newer bands that are on really any fest or big shows, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I like how was how I mean when this when this airs, well, yeah, the rumble will still be like a month away. I feel like, but uh, this is hard. Or no, when is the rumble? The end of July or end of August? And uh, beginning of August, we're doing it's August fifth and August sixth. We're playing August fifth. Okay, so so that's actually not that far away. When this airs, it'll be like a week and a half away. Um, yeah, yeah. But we'll, how how did this is hardcore go for you guys, dude? Go to go back to a wrestling thing. It was like. Imagine what Chris Benoit felt after he won the Royal Rumble than after he won the world title. It was the coolest thing in the fucking world. It was so, such like a culmination of so much hard work from when Risk was the first band to where Risk is at now. Like so much, such a culmination of hard work and, and, and energy and time and effort and, and what we put into writing this album and having it pay off and the reaction we got. We sold all of our merch. Everyone, everyone was moshing. All my friends were there moshing. Everyone was singing along. It was it was like a fucking dream come true, dude. It was so cool. I couldn't think that this is hardcore crew enough for letting us, letting us a fucking experience that. So is it crazy at all for you to like have all this stuff kind of happening seemingly quickly now, like compared to like when the band was around the first time and you guys kind of just did like regional stuff or whatever? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. It's insane. I'm, I just say yes to everything. And, and we just make it work. We just make everything work. I'm like, I want to, I want to hang out at hardcore shows. I want to do hardcore shows. That's what I want to do. So I might as well involve my band in as much as I can, whether I'm booking in mass or I'm hitting up people in Baltimore or DC to be like, can I come play in your city? Can you book an entire show around my band in your fucking city? And I can just go hang out with people down there. Uh, 
and just fuck it, it works out and it's cool. We just do everything we fucking can to just play shows nonstop. And sometimes, sometimes you get put on six shows like this is how to grow the rumble. You know, it's sick. Yeah, that's I mean, like I said, I've been I've been kind of watching from afar. Like ever since you and I kind of started communicating, I've been paying more attention. I've been I've been pretty impressed to see what you guys have been doing. Like, seem, like I said, se- seemingly pretty quickly. Um, So I guess let's kind of talk about the record a little bit. Uh, it, It's called Monologue of Misery, right? Yeah, yeah. Monologue of Misery. I um, when this was broken up, I came I wanted to start. We, I tried to do another band. And I was like, we'll put a demo called the prologue of the pain because I, I fucking love alliteration. I think it's alliteration. I think that's the term. I love alliteration. And I was like, we'll do a prologue of the pain demo and then do a monologue of misery demo. And then when risk first came about again or came about again the second time before COVID, we did the we did a demo. And I was like, yo, we're going to call this demo prologue to the pain. And we did those songs. Right. And I was like, the, the album has to be called monologue of misery because I just love I love the feeling of alliteration like that. It's very it scratches an itch, if that makes sense, dude. So that's something I was going to ask you, too. Like, when I was reading the... You you did an interview with No Echo. I think you guys have been on that featured a couple times on there. Um, obviously, shout out to them for always, you know, doing such a great job covering hardcore. Um, Hell, yeah. But I feel like in one of them, you mentioned how, like, some of the, the themes of one album was going to connect with another one. Does that fall into place with this at all, or...? So, like, so on the From the Depths EP, I wrote it very, like, metaphorically. And like the first lines or the last lines of the first song are no cold can't stop me. The first lines of the second song are as the cold sets in. So from the death falls that theme. And it's very like I wrote it as if you were like climbing up a mountain in the rain. Like you're getting on the mountain. It sucks. Uh, you fucking hate it. You're like, why did I do this? Yada, yada, yada. You get to the top and you're like, oh, uh, what, what now? Right. So it's very like nature inspired metaphoricalism. I don't even know if that's a word either. Whatever. Who cares? And with uh, with uh, monologue of misery and even prologue of the pain, I was like, I like the idea of me being metaphorical and having my lyrics being taken as one thing when they really mean another thing, and having someone take those lyrics and adopt them to their own because they're not. You can't tell that they're about one specific thing, but I'm gonna take that. I'm gonna take that idea and just make it more uh, raw and vulnerable and be like less metaphorically described and more like straightforward. Um, and and all about like raw and open with my, uh, with my lyrics. And then now, um, I, I don't know how it all works these days with, with bands. Like, did you guys like record the thing and then get a label or had you guys been talking to labels before or. Um, we, uh, we recorded the whole thing. We paid for the whole thing on our own. Uh, I, I honestly don't even know how that works with labels either, dude. <laughs> but, um, we recorded the whole thing. We got like, like the Dropbox files. I just rifled it off to as many people as I know. And uh, we ended up hooking up with uh, my brother, Rob at, at Gorilla Press Records. And he was like, I want to put this shit out. Um, let's do CDs. Let's do uh, 12 inches. Let's, uh, let's do this shit, you know? And I'll, I'm going to go with someone I'm really good friends with over someone I'm not really good friends with, you know? So that's why we, that like we a, I'm sorry. Is that like a newer label too, or? Yeah, yeah, they put out they put out this badass demo for this Connecticut band called Wild Panther. They share members with our uh, Vomit Fork and Late to Rest. Awesome bit, awesome demo, awesome band. Check it out if you can. And then that was the first thing they put out. And he was like, I want to get more into doing records and stuff like that. So, like, what can we do with Risk? And so, like you said, it's going to be LP and CD. Is it, is it like is and, and is a vinyl like like going to be available like next month or whatever? Like when the because I know you guys have a record release show coming up. Yeah, so we put up the whole thing on Spotify or, or Gorilla Press did. I'm sorry. 
Real Press put it all on Spotify uh, June 24th, I believe, or June 23rd. And um, immediately had the CDs and uh, put it on Spotify. And we we're like, let's wait a few weeks. We'll put up an LP pre-order and have an LP release show. For me, I always wanted to have, I never had a physical copy of anything wristed and having a CD is cool, but there's something about having a record of my own band that's really been appealing to me. So I was like, let's 100% do that. And we ended up working it out. So we have the vinyls the same day as the, um, as the show, as the record release show on, on August 10th. Wow, that's really sick. I'll make sure we get a chance to plug the show and the, and the rumble and everything too. But uh, I guess before we do all that, we haven't, we've kind of touched on a little bit, but tell everybody kind of like what the sound is like on this new record. So, uh, so, all right. So the first, the first risk thing was like, like I said, like very shipwreck AD, very like shipwreck AD and like, like power trip hammer bros, hammer bros, hammer bros. And uh, very like metal, metal core, hardcore kind of, but it's like not metal core, like metallic hardcore, I think maybe. And then, when we started writing everything for prologue and monologue, it turned out to sound more power trip iron agey. You know, a lot of a lot of those thrash riffs, a lot of those open, open, open three, two, one riffs, right? Um, and it just kind of adopted being like being kind of as cross as a crossover hardcore band. I want to sound, I want Riss to sound like a crossover hardcore band trying to be a hardcore band, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it, I, I was listening to it today thinking about that because, I mean, but for me, it's hard because I don't have a lot of metal reference points. So for me, it was the opposite. I was like, I can hear like hardcore kids that are developing more of a metal sound on this. You know what I mean? Sure, so sure. I'm sure it goes both ways, though, and both I feel like both ways would make sense. You know what I mean? So but I definitely the power trip thing definitely makes sense, obviously, like hearing it. I'm like, OK, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I I see some some pretty good breakdowns there. Like, what's the response been live to these songs so far? I know we Dude, talked about some, this it's hardcore, like, obviously. Like, some of them are fucking dope. Like, yo, so we just did this two-day run, and we hit D.C. in Baltimore, and we've never been there ever. And the D.C. show, I didn't know it was going to be at a at a house, at a punk house in D.C. until we pulled up. And you're like, oh, a fucking house show. It's going to be fucking... Like, I'm 30 years old. I'm trying, to make, trying to make, I'm trying to make money so I can eat fucking dinner tonight. I'm not trying to play a fucking house show, right? And there was fucking like a hundred paying kids in DC and everybody was moshing nonstop. It was so cool. So that kind of goes a like, like the reactions to a lot of the songs we play now are like, like uh, one, you know, one thing I've noticed actually is like, we're, so we're, we do a lot of fast riffs. And so we have a lot of circle pit parts, but people now don't like circle pit. They just two steps so fast back and forth across the pit, which I think is hilarious. But uh, the, re the reactions have been pretty cool. I would say. I've been pretty like satisfied with it, you know? Yeah. I think I've talked to you a little bit about shows and stuff and we, we booked our first show back. Well, my buddy had booked some, but it was my first show in like 10 years with him. Yeah. Yeah. A week and a half ago. Now this is while we're recording this and just watching the way kids react now to bands and stuff. It's, I feel like things are changing. You know what I mean? It's, it's cool, you know, but it's just fun to, now that I'm getting a little older, sometimes it's fun to watch from afar and just watch the way kids, like the, the moves yeah. are still, some of the moves are the same, but it's like, some things seem a little bit different sometimes too. You know what I mean? If that makes sense. No, nah, you can, you can definitely kind of age someone and date how long they've been going to shows based on how they mosh and how they react with uh, the, the outlier of the crowd as they mosh. Um, and it's interesting to see like when I came up, how wild it was and how, how it was uh, more, definitely more scary now. 
definitely more unforgiving. Like if 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 I you would see a band like all right, the first time I saw Hundred Demons, the only song I really knew was Forsaken, right? And I didn't know like what kind of really band they were because I never saw them because it wasn't I couldn't watch a video of them on fucking Instagram because Instagram didn't exist. Right. So I went to I went to see 100 Demons at Great American Hardcore Fest. They open up with Forsaken and the entire everyone in the room immediately is 400 pounds. <laughs> everyone in the room is a is a is a warlock is is I, f- I feel like I feel like the Battle of Helm's Deep and Lord of the Rings. And my first thought was, if I do not stop moshing, I will die right now. And I for sure got smoked the hardest I've ever been moshed on to this day. But uh, that's like not a thing anymore. Like people don't mosh that hard just for the sake of causing violence. They mosh for the sake of moshing. You know, which is cool. You love to see because it's like a lot more friendly camaraderie immediately. It's a more immediate, immediate reaction, friendly camaraderie when you smoke someone and you like you see someone get smoked. And they'll turn around and go, oh, my God, are you OK? We're like at that 100 demons. So like the dude in, standing next to me got kicked so hard in the face and he crumbled. And the dude was moshing, stopped, turned around and went, ha ha, like the bully from The Simpsons and kept moshing. And I was like, oh, my fucking God, I'm not old enough to be here. That's like not a reality anymore, which isn't a bad thing, but it's, it's a sign of the times thing, dude. Yeah, no, like I said, I mean, I definitely have noticed differences and I feel like a lot of it, I mean, you referenced Instagram. I think some of it like definitely has to do with this like social media and the, and the world we live in now, you know? Yeah, uh, and that, yo, like I said, that's not a bad thing at all. Um, you know, it's cool. It's cool how accessible hardcore is and it's cool how, um, like hardcore has always been kind of an, an uh, inclusive place. I'm pretty sure inclusive is the proper term like anyone can be in hardcore it doesn't matter who you are but now it's more it feels more inclusive even though it's always been inclusive you know it feels more accepting of people who aren't as uh violent or like insane as people used to be you know it's it's uh it's adopted into more of a um more of like a safer safer kind of place for people who are outcasts which is which is cool, you know, like you want to see people get into it and get into a chance, but but it's definitely not as um unforgiving and as harsh as a place that it used to be. Yeah, I, I think another thing I've noticed, which goes into your inclusive thing, is is it's a lot more diverse than it was like 10 or 15. Yeah, yo, perfect, perfect, you know? yeah, perfect, yep. Um, but yeah, I guess uh, I, I got a couple more risk questions and we'll kind of wrap things up. Um, we kind of referenced a few of the things you got coming up. Like what are the, what are the, the big shows you guys got coming up right now? So uh, we got the rumble. We got the rumble. Actually we're playing with uh candy, less sick puppy restraining order and this band shortest life from central mass, young kids, all good kids, great band, bang of riffs uh, Tuesday in uh, in middle East. That's um the 26th, July 26th. And we're going out to the rumble for August 5th. We have the record release show August 10th and at this bar Fish, this bar and restaurant called Fish, which is the best seafood restaurant in New England. I'll die on that hill. Check out Fish if you're in Mass and you're listening to this. Uh, with Berry Dreams, our brothers in Berry Dreams, our brothers in Simulacra, this band Last Wishes from fucking Europe, killing me, a bunch of young guys from fucking Delaware were ripping it up. Street Power, which is a bunch of like grizzled fucking MA hardcore vets. Born from Demise, another fucking great band that rips it up. It's all young ass kids who are just killing it at hardcore. We got that. We got we're doing Long Island, uh, August 28th, 27th, with also Buried Dreams, our brothers in Buried Dreams, our, bro- our brothers in Carried by Six, the boys in Missing Link, and uh, that band Shackled, who's from Jersey, and they just put out one of the fucking best albums of the year, and they just booked a whole U.S. tour by themselves, which is so badass and punk rock. We got those coming up. We have a uh, uh, there's a, oh, 
uh, September 3rd. We're playing in Manchester with Murphy's Law, a legendary New York hardcore band. That'll be dope. And then we have a half U.S. tour in October that I guess I'm announcing right now <laughs> on this podcast. I haven't told anyone really except for any, like no one knows except everyone right now. Yeah, that's dope. And I didn't realize you guys were booking that when I was trying to hit you guys up uh, again, peeling back behind the the curtain even further when I, I asked you guys about playing something here in October, not really. Oh, that's guys, right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we're doing uh we're we'll doing I'll just drop it. I'll just I'll just say it now it's Binghamton, Binghamton, I think it is. I don't know yeah. how far no, that Bingham, is. Binghamton, you got it. You got it. Yeah, Binghamton. yeah. Dope, dope. There's a bunch of young kids out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's boy Peyton out there he's booking shows. Uh there's a band Deal with God who fucking whips ass that's out that area. And we just kind of linked up with those dudes and made that date in that area that I originally asked you about work, which worked out like a glove, dude. That's dope. We're going to have to try and make it down to that, see you guys play. I mean, I'll, a deal with God's dope, too. I've I've had a couple of those dudes on the podcast, and they've played up here a bunch, obviously. Dude, so good. And then... There's such, like, there's such like a dope, like, Holy Terror type of band. Like, a lot of Holy Terror type bands, like those Integrity, uh, those Integrity kind of styling bands that you can tell is influenced by Integrity or those type of fucking bands. A lot of their problem is they sound they try they sound like they try way too hard to sound like their integrity, you know what I mean? And Deal with God just plays this. They play these fucking riffs, and you're like, oh my god, dude, this is a fucking living hell song. This is fucking killer. Deal with God. I can't hype that fucking band up enough. And they're all like fucking super young dudes. It's killer. Yeah, I love that band too. And their singer's actually from Rochester originally. And you mentioned Missing Link. Their singer's from here too. And yeah, then- yeah, yeah, yeah. The final uh, like name drop shout out that I'll give to connect all these degrees of separation is you mentioned that Born from Demise band. I want to say Pure Bliss is doing a, a little run with them. Yeah, they're doing, they're, doing a, they're doing a little run. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I like that Pure Bliss band. Yeah. Uh, Pure Bliss. That's a fucking tongue twister. I like yeah. that band. And uh, yeah. Born from Demise, like I said, all young guys all kill it. And uh, like we, we do shows together all the time. And every time I play with that family, like, you guys got to get out there. You guys got to get out there. And then I just see you on Instagram. They just have this like badass five day tour book. I'm like, damn, I kind of want, I kind of want to jump in the van for that to like see how well these guys crush it because they're a good band and they're all genuine hardcore kids who genuinely are into hardcore for the sake of being hardcore. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's dope. And again, going back to deal with God, that's exactly what those dudes are like too. Like, yo, straight up, straight up, bro. Yep. You know. So, um. But yeah, I guess I guess uh, kind of wrapping things up. Any uh, anything we missed, or or I mean, I guess we just gave shout outs to like all the good Northeast bands right now. But any other shout outs you want to give or anything? I want to give uh, dude, I could give shout outs for days. Uh, Strangle You from Atlanta, Law Power from LA, Section Hate from LA, D Block from Detroit, Fools Game from Pennsylvania, Hesitate from Pennsylvania, uh, Pain and Truth, Gridiron, Late to Raspberry Dreams, uh, fucking um, the world. From from everywhere, the listen to the world, listen to Vane One, Grimy Kids from San Antonio. Um, shout out everyone who's my friend. You know what I mean? Shout out you. Shout out Highcore. Shout out Boston, Massachusetts. Shout out Tom Brady. <laughs> I just well, we might edit that part out because this is Rochester right near Buffalo. <laughs> I just again I want to peel peel back the curtain one more time. You told me before, but we haven't mentioned it during the interview at all. This is your first time being on a podcast, right? I've never been on a podcast before, and I'm going to be honest with you. I've been sitting in my car smoking and joining for the past 20 minutes because I don't know how to do a podcast, and I think it worked out pretty fucking good, dude. I was just going to say it worked out perfect, and I want to tell anybody who's like listening to this episode and about to be on my podcast for the first time, take note, because everybody always comes at me afterwards like, oh, I wish I would have shouted out this. Or I wish I would have thanked that. Like, 
you spit out like every single band that you possibly would need to in like 30 seconds. You know what yeah, I, I mean? Tried. I felt like around a Jeopardy. <laughs> yeah. So I guess shout out the, the album one more time and then I'll probably wrap up the episode. Yo, Monologue of Misery, uh, up now streaming on wherever you want to stream your shit from. Gorilla Press Records, LP, 12-inch, out August 10th. Be there or be fucking square, dude. If you want there, you want core. I don't care if it's on a Wednesday, Saturday, Monday, church day. Who gives a shit? Hardcore. Yep. All right. So I want to thank uh, BG for doing this interview. Uh, I think that's going to wrap up the episode. Uh, make sure you check out Risk. Like he said, check out the new LP. Check them out on some of their shows. Uh, we'll get them up in Rochester, hopefully in November or December by the sounds of it. Um, as always, shout out to Rob Antonucci, Greg Benoit, Jim Byrne, anybody who helps out with the podcast, all the Patreon subscribers, everybody who's been supporting the GoFundMe so far. Thanks to my family for all the support. Uh, check out all the upcoming episodes. Uh, see everybody real soon and stay safe.